Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Tuesday, September 1st. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, I will be joined by Saints legend and color analyst for WWL Radio, Deuce McAllister. I get Deuce's insight on training camp this year, players he's got his eye on, the Jamar Chase situation at LSU, and of course, that first week of uh, the first game coming up in 12 days for the Saints against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, we all know that there will be no fans in that first game, so get his insight on that as well. And uh, if you missed the episode with Zach Shreve on on his thoughts on no fans in in week one, be sure to go back uh, on demand and listen to that podcast. The Saints have the day off on Tuesday. They will resume practice on Wednesday throughout the week. And, of course, the Saints will cut down to their 53-man roster with their 16-man practice squad this weekend. So we will try to get that to you as soon as possible. As soon as we know, we will make sure that you know. The fastest way to get those updates is by following uh, Saints on social media and downloading the Saints app and turning on your notification And of course, uh, we will keep you up to date with everything you need to know. All right, without further ado, enough of me blabbering on. Let's go ahead and get to our interview with Saints legend Deuce McAllister. Deuce, I know you uh, training looked a little bit different for you this year. Can you tell us a little bit about how the process went for you this year compared to years past? How we had to watch it. You know, you've got an assigned time when you have to be there um, as far as how much you can watch. Uh, you got the full access to be able to watch it, but it was just different. And so, you know, I know the coaches and the players have to adjust. So uh, media members have to adjust as well. So love to be able to catch every practice and see how the guys grow, see how they improve or uh, decrease as far as practice. Really, you know, hey, look, you're going to get these 10 practices. Then, you know, it's watching the videos or going off of second-hand account from that, from that point. Did you bring the bucket hat out this year? It's just like you're going fishing. (laughs) Um, Before we get into too much Saints talk, I want to talk to you a little bit. I know you're an Ole Miss guy, but um, Jamar Chase opting out this year was big news. Um, And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. As a former college football player, went pro, like your thoughts on how, if this will create a ripple effect for players in the future. Oh, it has. I mean, because he is one of uh, probably two potential top 10 picks that have opted out, the linebacker from Penn State has as well. And I think that um, he has potential to be a top 10 pick as well. So I think it's really everything that's going on. I think that's probably the biggest way that you could phrase it. And, you know, it, it's he's won a national championship. He's really done everything that you can do in college. Uh, but the, to no fault of his own, he still had one more year or two more years of eligibility as far as college is concerned. Um, you can see both sides of it. You would love to say, hey, look, continue to play with your teammates, uh, continue to be able to fight with those guys and then declare for the NFL. But at the end of the day, he's got to do what's right for himself and his family. And so I think that's probably the most important part. You know, when you talk about being able to train for the NFL, that's going to be a long process for him. So really to be able to refine a lot of things, whether it's the body, whether it's routes, doing different things that he needs to work on, he will have to be able to take full advantage of this opportunity. And so if there's anything, you know, hey, look, you need to get uh, this corrected with your body, this is the opportunity and time to go and do so as well. 
because you can't have, uh, uh, let's just say it's a minor scope uh, that you need um, in January. Well, you don't want to, you want to go ahead and get that done now. So any of those issues that he's dealing with, um, he'll be able to see, have the best doctors to be able to look at himself uh, just because he will be training and, 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 you know, acting as a pro going forward until the NFL draft. Do you think we'll see more power from the players after this act? Like, I feel like this gave Jamar Chase a little bit more power, and obviously you can fall back on, on COVID-19, and that's a huge reason why he's able to opt out and, you know, everyone kind of accept it. But do you think we'll see more power in the players' hands now, maybe a players' association in the future? I think we're ways away from it. Because you do have those individuals that won't be um, a top five or top ten draft pick. Yeah. And you'll have the agents that give them bad advice and, and, and have them to come out and, you know, um, it's a blessing to be able to get drafted in that in that um, area. But what about the young man that goes maybe fourth round or fifth round, or you know, he doesn't get drafted at all? You think about Maurice Claret. You think about um, I think it was Blackman, uh, the kid, the young man from Ohio State. I think still think uh, Jacksonville took him as a as a first rounder. But you've had some players that got in trouble. Uh, and they had missed the supplemental draft, and uh, they basically didn't get to play their senior year or at least their last year before they declared for the draft. And so I think each situation is going to be different. I think it's the body of work as far as the player uh, and how much can an agent be able to find out about, not necessarily an agent, but a scout. How much can I find out about that player to be able to report back to my team? I mean, so a lot of the, the young men that are um, now, some of them, they were not going to have a season at all. And then you talk about playing in the spring and then turn around and playing in the fall as far as if you do have the chance uh, to be a player in the NFL. That's a lot. You know, that's, that's a lot. And so it's whatever's best for that, that particular player. But um, I think we're still a, a ways away from uh, a college having a, an association that represents them and, you know, looks out for their best interests. Certainly something we never had to deal with at Loyola, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, from your limited time watching Saints practice, obviously the training camp darling this year, it seems like it's Ty Montgomery. What have you seen out of him that really jumps off the page? Versatility, his ability to be able to play multiple positions, his ability to be able to line up as a running back, to line up in the slot. Um, and you see a lot of the, the, the plays that they would use with the Alvin Kamara, with the Pierre Thomas, with the Reggie Bush, you know, those uh, areas, Darren Sproles, those areas, that's where you see him really be able to excel, particularly in this offense. With the weapons that they have, Sean can use him in a, in a manner that maybe he hadn't been uh, used since he was at Stanford. And so, uh, you know, the biggest question mark for, for him that I have is can he avoid the injury bug? I mean, because he's been outstanding in Green Bay. He was really, you know, a, a good, productive player with the Jets, but it's always been some type of nagging injury that have, you know, that has limits his ability to be able to go out there and really excel with some of the other teams that he's in. So that'll be something just to watch. But as far as talent and to be able to um, uh, create the mismatch, he, he can give you all of that. Yeah. Speaking of talent and weapons, you saw Deontay Harris and what he did as a returner for the Saints last year, obviously an all pro. Um, but now we're seeing him get a little bit more use at the wide receiver position. I saw your eyebrows go up. What do you think, how do you think Sean is going to implement him more in this offense? 
there's probably six or seven routes that I would give uh, Deontay Harris. You know, I, I wouldn't send him across the middle a lot, you know, <laughs> quick slant or, you know, we're running a screen because the biggest thing that you want to do for him is get him the football in space and, and, and turn it into a punt return or turn, turn it into a kickoff return for him where he can make guys miss. And so for me, I'm running the out, I'm running a quick out, I'm running the post, I'm running the goal. You know, I, I can run a slant with him, but he is going to, not to say he, he can't run those other routes, but size-wise, I don't want him to be exposed to a lot of the safeties or the linebackers that are coming across the middle. So I'm not going to send him across the middle too much, but I am definitely going to use his speed and his ability to be able to stretch the field. I think that's what you have to be able to do. And so um, you'll, you'll, you'll see him line up outside. You'll see him line up in the slot. You'll see him start in the backfield uh, because Sean is just like we were talking about with Montgomery. Sean is just looking for a mismatch. You know, are you going to play him with a nickel? Are you going to try to play him with a safety? And so that's where Drew is just looking for the mismatch to try to take advantage of his, his quickness and his speed. You know, I kind of am starting to hate the, um, the cliche of iron sharpens iron when it comes to training camp, but this Saints offense is really good. And it's clear through training camp that the Saints defense has gone to another level. Do you – you have to believe that they are just really, really sharpening each other's skill sets, especially when you get down to the, the wide receiver and the secondary. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas versus Norris Jenkins, like all those guys, it just seems like each and every day, those guys are going out there and making each other better. The one thing that you know, you won't find many players as far as on a daily um, rep that you get against a guy, you won't find many players better than the ones that you're practicing against uh, in the NFL. I mean, when you talk about the matchup as far as Lattimore versus Michael Thomas, that's, that's all pro versus all pro. You know, that's the you know, fight that they have as far as going against each other. Same thing with Janoris Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders. You can still tell that Jack Rabbit has gotten, you know, so much more comfortable. And really, I could see it on the You know, I could just see the communication, the competition that they were having as far as going out there and competing and, you know, it, it just gives Dennis Allen so many more options defensively, what they can do, whether they want to put that extra guy in the box or whether they really want to take away the run from a team. Because I know I have two lockdown corners on the outside. You know, we talked about having Armstead and you talk about having Ryan Ramchick. Well, Cam Jordan, you know, every time that he goes against him, that's all pro versus all pro. You know, if you're Marcus Davenport, you can't learn enough from a guy like Teron Armstead going against him on a daily uh, instances. So it definitely helps to be able to have some of the players individually that you have. But when you put them together, both offensively and defensively as a group, you know, it, 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 it spurs that competition. And that's one of the things I think when you look at it, that you're so impressed with this team, just because of the overall depth that you have, you know, you probably have anywhere between, uh, we know 53 guys will make that, uh, that, that roster, but you probably have a legitimate 60 to 65 guys that can play in the NFL and the Saints can only keep so many as far as on the active roster. Is there an equal comparison between a, a player's first year in the NFL and their second year in the NFL and maybe a player's first year with a team and a second year with a team because you learn so much more and you get so much more comfortable? I think you can look at it in a sense like that, but I think really the, the biggest jump should be from a player in his first year to his second year, just because he knows what he's doing. Right. You know, he knows what he's doing. I think that that's probably going to be the most impressive thing. When you talk about a player coming into year one, year two, he may have been a three-year vet or four-year vet or even sometimes seven or eight-year vet 
And it may just be terminology or getting more comfortable with the terminology and, you know, finding out, figuring out, okay, they want to play press man this way. I can take away the inside hip of this player, different things like that. Then that, that, that probably helps. But I think you're going to see the biggest jump between a true year one player to a true year two player. That's where you're going to see the biggest growth. Deuce, if you could pick out one thing that you wish um, the Saints would hone in on and work on from last year to this year, what's one area of improvement that you'd like to see out of them? I think red zone offense. I think red zone offense is probably the biggest thing that when you go back and you look and you say, hey, look, what can this team do better? You know, I thought they did a really good job of uh, getting hits and creating uh, sacks as far as defense was concerned. I thought they did a lot better job of, uh, being able to create turnovers, particularly on the back end. I think, you know, when you look at it overall, uh, what can this team do from an offensive standpoint? You can always say, hey, look, we want to be better on third down. But if they can finish in the red zone, you talk about being able to say every time that we get inside the plus 20 and in, we're scoring touchdowns. And, you know, you're not coming up with field goals. I think that's probably, and it, and it wasn't like they were bad, but if that's one thing that you're going to improve on, that would be the one thing that I circle. All right, last one before I let you go, Deuce. Uh, Tampa Bay week one. As a player, how do you prepare for a team that you really haven't seen before? And before you had the benefit of preseason, so you can see a little bit of what they look like. Obviously, Tom Brady's been in the league for a long time. You've seen that connection between him and Gronk. Um, and you know a little bit about what the Bucks have looked like in the past. But they are a completely new team. How difficult is it to prep for a team that you haven't seen anything on? Out of prep. That's yeah. <laughs> You're going to go back and you're going to look at what Brady has done over the last two years as far as, you know, trying to figure out what are some of his favorite throws, what are some of the things that he likes to do. Does he like to stay in the pocket? You got to know with, 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 with his age, yes, he wants to stay in the pocket. So for the Saints, what do you want to do? I want to get him off the spot. You know, does he like to release the football? Yes, he likes to throw the football quickly. He is not going to drop back a lot as far as deep. There may be certain situations. So for the Saints, defensive line, if it's a three-step drop, you have to be able to get your hands up, you know, because you're going to be able to knock the football down. You know, uh, a Gronkowski, he missed a year. Not to say that he's not going to be rusty, but how can I affect him? Can I jam him? Can I slow him down as he's coming off the line of scrimmage? So it's the little things that you're going to try to pick up as far as things of that nature. When you talk about defensively, what were some of the things that they did as, as a unit? Well, they can get after the quarterback. You know, inside, you look at uh, – um, the big, the big fellow. I can't even think of it. Inside, they have some pretty good tackles, defensive tackles. Um, and so you know that they want to push the pocket. So, no, Sue? Well, you have Sue, but um, Vita Vey. Vita, oh. Vita Vey, um, he, he really came on last year. He had an injury, but he really came on last year. And I think he surprises you with his power and quickness. And so if you're going to go with Cesar Ruiz, either at guard or center, he's got to understand and know that, hey, look, this is a different piece. And so for the Saints, I wouldn't be surprised for them to move the pocket a little bit and try to move those defensive uh, tackles. And so you talk about a guy, a young man like Devin White, his ability to be able to cover uh, Alvin Kamara. So let's just say that's a watch. Now I can throw Ty Montgomery in there. How does he affect what they do defensively, you know? And so there's going to be little matchups, little games that the, each, the, the offense and defense, they're going to play to try to fill each other out just because you didn't get uh, a preseason game. So it may be second quarter, maybe even third quarter before they really settle in and say, okay, this is what we think they're doing 
from an offense and defensive standpoint. The, the, they just signed a new kicker uh, today. So, you know, uh, you know from a kicking standpoint that they're not 100% comfortable with what they've been doing. So all of those things really come into play. You know, can Deontay Harris get you a big return? I think, you know, when you look at that first game, it's going to come down to who uh, can execute. Obviously, that's, that's always the case. But, you know, who can limit the turnovers and who can execute as far as third down? I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see either coach be a little more aggressive just because you want to start on that right, that right foot as far as with the W. So uh, the gamesmanship will be at an all-time high. <laughs> uh, Deuce, we talked to, to Zach a little bit about um, not having any fans in the Superdome for that first game. How, from your perspective, how strange is that going to be? Very, very strange. I mean, it's almost going to be like it's uh, uh, a practice. A practice, yeah. You go where you go and uh, you travel and you practice against another team, but unfortunately, it's the real thing, you know, and so the mistakes that you make, uh, it won't be, hey, look, we want to do it again, or can we, can we put the ball back down? Can we have another period? You know, this will be the real thing. And so, you know, when you, you talk about from a coaching standpoint, there will be some concern with tackling. And I think that's on both sides because you didn't have a lot as far as to do it this offseason. And so that's always going to be a concern. No fans. It will be different, but guys just have to focus in and they have to go out and uh, execute. Looking forward to it, 12 days away. All right, Deuce, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem, thank you for having me. All right, thanks to Deuce for joining me on the show today. Saints fans, I have a question for you. Do you want everyone to know that you're a Saints fan? Well, I have the perfect solution for you. You can be Saints out from head to toe this year because we have Saints face coverings available on NewOrleansSaints.com. Um, if you purchase a face covering, all proceeds of the sale will be donated to the CDC Foundation. So rock your Saints gear. We have Saints logos, fleur-de-lis. All of that is available right now by going to NewOrleansSaints.com and there will be a place for you to shop for those face coverings. So uh, hopefully you are showing out your Saints love, whether it's on the streets, in the grocery store. They say that the grocery stores are the new nightclub, so <laughs> be sure to go rock your Saints face covering uh, inside the grocery store. All right, that'll do it for me on today's episode of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. John Shazer and I will have continued coverage of camp on the afternoon wrap available on the website or on CST uh, at night on at 8.30 p.m. this week. All right, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll tune in on Thursday. Have a good week, everybody.